Can I have your attention? You're all dismissed. Bankrupt. Better luck with your next job. I am not a stranger to the dark. <sighs> this is not the life I promised you. Not even close. Because we don't want your broken parts. Girls, I think I've had an idea. Look out, because here I come. T. Barnum, at your service. I'm putting together a show. And I need a star. Every one of us is special. And nobody is like anyone else. That's the point of my show. Bertie, showtime. made a difference by being like everyone else. I can't just run off and join the circus. Why not? I mean, you clearly have a flair for show business. For show business? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. Because I just invented it. The Greatest Showman was a great movie. Probably one of the best movies I've seen in a long, long time. And I was so surprised at how much I liked it. I had absolutely no desire to see this movie until I heard my daughter talking about how great the music was and how she had seen it like three times in the theater and like two extra times after that. And I thought to myself, that's crazy. You know, about gave me a financial heart attack. I mean, who goes to the theater at 10 bucks a piece three times? You know, oh, I thought I taught her better than that. Uh, but she goes on and on about how romantic it was and how wonderful it was and beautiful it was. And I thought to myself, there is no way that this is for me. This is just, I'm not going to go see this movie. And then this series comes up and a whole bunch of people recommend it. And just as we were getting ready to play this thing, my daughter says, oh, and it's a musical, Dad, and I love musicals. And I think to myself, oh, I hate musicals. I hate all musicals, all of them except for this musical because the music in this thing is amazing. It's more like Imagine Dragons meets like High School Musical or something like that. It really is incredible but the story itself is so engaging the greatest showman goes new places with the story and the themes that that other movies just don't go into you know we've all seen the musical template uh played out on film before you know like two hours of you know boy has a dream boy sings while chasing that dream boy meets and woos and sings to a girl uh boy has uh, a setback boy overcomes that setback while singing and gets the girl while singing and achieves the dream by singing and lives happily singing ever after. 
Well, The Greatest Showman does all of that in the first, I don't know, like 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, then the story goes somewhere else and it asks a different kind of a question. It asks what happens after the boy gets the girl and the dream comes true. Without going to this next level, I don't think The Greatest Showman would have appealed to me much at all. This movie moved beyond showing the typical hard work and overcoming obstacle after obstacle in pursuit of your dreams, which by the way was inspiring and creative. But, but this movie didn't stop there. It wrestles with this idea of how do you handle the dream once you have it in your hand, once you hold on to it. I think a whole bunch of us can resonate with this theme, even more so if we're married and actually love our families. Like Barnum, we want to love and serve our families and take care of them, but we also have big dreams. I know I do. We have these goals and many of us want to glorify God by using his, these gifts that he's given us to make his world better. The real challenge of this movie was what happens when those big creative dreams actually come true? It wrestles with when is enough actually enough? When is big, big, enough can, and can our dreams become idols to us can can something that is pure like wanting to take care of our families and and earn a living and uh, and wanting to accomplish great things in our life can that actually destroy us well the greatest showman unabashedly dares us to be like barnum but but also to see how even after he achieves his dream he can't live happily ever after because it actually takes something different to fill his soul. We're going to explore how this world is never enough for us. We're going to see in very simple fairy tale kind of like fashion how he sacrifices his family, his friends, and even his original dream for this idea that more will be enough for him. I think there are so many incredible and insightful and biblical themes in this movie, but we're just going to try to land on a few of them. So let's go. <laughs> Charity, come here. how we've taught you to behave? It's my fault, sir. I made her laugh. Well, thank you for your honesty. <coughs> Stay away from my daughter. How'd you get out? The window. Father's sending me to finishing school. I don't know what my future will be. I do. I close my eyes and I can see a world that's waiting up for me that I call my own. Through the dark, through the door, through where no one's been before, but it feels like home. They can say, they can say it all sounds crazy. They can say, they can say it all sounds crazy. 
can say, they can say you've lost my mind I don't care, I don't care, so call me crazy We can live in a world that we design Cause every night I lie in bed The brightest colors fill my head A million dreams are keeping me They can say, they can say it all sounds crazy They can say, they can say we've lost our minds I don't care, I don't care if they call us crazy Run away to a world that we design Cause every night I lie in bed The brightest colors fill my head A million dreams are keeping me away I think of what the world could be The Greatest Showman is loosely based on the life and times of Phineas Taylor Barnum, who in 1871 created what would become known as the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, which sadly shut down for good just last year. To say it's loosely based on the historical figure of P.T. Barnum is a bit of a stretch. There are only three essential details that connect this movie to the real life of P.T. Barnum. P.T. indeed married a woman named Charity, that's true, and of course he did create a museum of oddities which evolved into a traveling circus and for those of you who have actually seen the show, he really did introduce the Swedish opera singer Jenny Lind into American culture. Well, the rest of his story has been reinvented and reimagined for the movie. However beautiful and compelling the story, it is important to know that the movie is primarily a work of fiction. Uh, I point this out because there are relationships and there are moments in the movie that simply did not happen and could not have happened in the time in which P.T. Barnum actually lived when he created the circus. We, we might talk a little bit about that later, but it's still a great, great movie. Born into poverty and the son of a tailor, Barnum has a lot on his plate. He must grapple at a very young age with the death of his father, the absolute disdain of his father-in-law, and the ongoing demands of providing for his family during a very tough time in history. But he's determined to prove himself to them and to the world. And this young boy grows into a man, but the dreams never die. And dreamers win our hearts. Even the most skeptical among us, there's just something about a person who is a dreamer and just naive enough to think that those dreams can actually come true. 
From the very beginning of the story, we see that P.T. is a boy who dreams of more. He wants something more for his life. Without any doubt, he's certain that he's made for something bigger. This is why the little girl falls in love with him. And then as a wife, this is why she stays with him. It's what drives him desperately to succeed. And I think that this connects deeply to the human spirit. We want better. We want more that was previously thought possible. It's what motivates us to sacrifice. It's what motivates us to do hard work. And the entire first part of this story is front-loaded with dreams and goals and ambitions, and it's inspiring. It's motivating. Check out this little scene as the creators of The Greatest Showman morph P.T. Barnum's boyhood dreams into his manhood pursuit. Sir, I, I know I don't come from much, but I will take care of your daughter and I will give her life as grand as this one. Bye, Mother. She'll be back. Sooner or later, she'll tire of your life, of having nothing, and she'll come running back home. Colors fill my head A million dreams keeping me awake I think of what the world could be A vision of the one I see A million dreams is all it's gonna take Oh, a million dreams for the world we're gonna make a million dreams for the world we're gonna make. What a great line, so good. And this leads us to one of the most important themes that just jumps off the, off the screen for us in this movie. Don't let resistance win. Barnum experienced so much criticism and so many obstacles as he continued to fight to develop this dream. One journalist in particular, you see this in the movie, just could not be won over by Barnum's show and he had no problem making his views known directly to Barnum's face and to the papers and to the world at large. Barnum and his performers were cruelly mocked by many of the people in the city. Their art was embraced by many, yet misunderstood by others and all the creative people among us say, a Men. Uh, he, he faced particular and financial challenge after challenge after challenge, but he did not give up. He had a dream in his heart and, and he pursued it even when life did its best to get him to quit. And this reminds me of a story found in the Bible. It's the story of Nehemiah, Old Testament part of the Bible, and how God puts dreams in our hearts and he prompts us to do great things in life. God puts a dream in Nehemiah's heart to go back to his homeland, to the city of Jerusalem, and to lead an effort to rebuild the ruined walls of the city. Uh, it was a task that would restore a sense of protection and spiritual vitality to a, to a physically and spiritually broken people returning from exile in a foreign land. He was constantly met with criticism. And if you were to read the book of Nehemiah, you'll see that he was mocked by the enemies of God who did not want the walls rebuilt and God's people restored. He was threatened with physical attacks. He, he faced discouragement and weariness in, in the people helping to rebuild the wall. Not to mention that the sheer size of the task was monumental and daunting. 
every time criticism and obstacles came his way, Nehemiah encouraged himself in what God had called him to do. He prayed to, to God to help him and, and to keep after building the wall. He didn't let a few critics and some challenges stop him from what God had put in his heart to do. One of my favorite verses in the entire thing is, is when he says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. In other words, I'm on something that God has called me to and I'm not going to quit. Ever feel this? Resistance. You, you, you sign up to go back to school and then, and then you see the bill and, how, and, and you realize just how hard this is going to be. It's called resistance. And, and, and people start saying, well, that's a dumb idea. You can't do that and take care of a family. You can't you know, go back and you'll never become a, a nurse or you'll never become a teacher. You, you decide it's time to, I don't know, lose weight or get back in shape a little bit. And then this thing called resistance comes, right? It, it's going great for the first, I don't know, seven hours. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden that ice cream is, is calling you. It's called resistance. Or you decide to you know, start going to the gym and then you realize you're a little bit late get home from work or or things are just a little bit busy or you got pulled over on the way home and and it's just one thing after another and so you can't make it it's called resistance or, or maybe you're you're married and you decided that you're gonna work on your married life and you're gonna start to give love and grace to your spouse a little bit more and then he says that thing he says and does that thing he does and all of a sudden no more grace no more goodness no more love it's called resistance when you start to move forward in any area of life there's this resistance that, that comes and it wants to hold you back as you pursue the things that God puts on your heart, big or small, you will face resistance. There is this element that life is just going to be hard because the world we live in is broken. But there's also the spiritual reality that the enemy of God does not want us to do the things that God has called us to. And he will bring resistance into our life because when we pursue them, we bring glory to God and he uses them to impact the world around us for his good purposes. There will always be critics. There will always be those those who, who don't understand what God is calling you to or what you know where you want to go or the changes you want to make. Don't let those things snuff out what God has put in your heart to do. One of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when P.T. Barnum is talking to his worst critic and, and, and he says this, he says, men suffer more from imagining too little than imagining too much. If God speaks to you and asks you to shift gears and to make adjustments, by all means, cooperate with God's leadership in your life. But don't adjust what God has called you to because of the other voices that, 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 are, that are critics in your ear that are calling out to you. If God is legitimately closing the door and redirecting you, by all means, follow him and trust him. But don't give up because of a little resistance on the journey of life. Let, let me just show you uh, just two little verses from the Bible. Bible that speak directly to this. This is amazing. It says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. 
Don't you dare give up when resistance comes your way. Maybe you feel God calling you to pursue him more wholeheartedly and your friends and your family, they just don't understand. Or, or maybe God is inviting you to, to develop a consistent practice of prayer or reading of the scripture in your life and it's hard. Or, or maybe he's calling you to serve in your church and, and, and yet you feel like you just can't do it. Or maybe others say, well, you don't have time to do that. Uh, there's resistance. Or maybe there's there's someone in your life that God is drawing you toward and, and you He's calling you to serve them in some way or, or to tell them about Jesus in some way. Or, or maybe there's an area of need or struggle that's deep in your life and God's calling you to move and God's calling you to change. You need to believe God even if that is difficult, even if there's resistance toward that change. Or, or maybe you, you're, you're being called to a whole new career or a field or an education of some kind uh, and, and you feel like you just can't do it but you just feel this overwhelming sense of call. Listen to me, friends. Be passionate about it. Go for it. Press on. Don't stop. Don't quit just because there's resistance. When there's resistance, you got to press on. Fight for it. And that's exactly what P.T. Barnum does. And that means thinking outside the box a little bit sometimes. For instance, what most people consider a disaster, Barnum views as an opportunity. When he gets laid off from one of his many jobs, Barnum opens a museum, but not just any old museum, mind you. This one specializes in wax figures, preserved rarities, and all things odd. Still, Barnum's daughters think that it needs something more. It needs something different to sell tickets. They need a little pizzazz, something alive, something more human. We all feel like outcasts sometimes, and the story of Barnum's Circus is one of platforming the outcasts. In this movie, Barnum convinces a bearded lady to sing, a midget to play a general, and a fat man to play fatter. Right? He, he convinces an African-American brother-sister duel to, to show off or to showcase their talents in extraordinary ways. And in doing so, his consistent mantra was that the world just doesn't know yet how much they are going to love you. His consistent theme was that, that the world is actually going to love the unlovable. He built a circus based around people who were outside of the, the realm of acceptability of our culture. Friends, there are so many themes in this movie that, that could serve as illustrations for biblical truths, but, but here's one of the biggest. It is to love without boundaries. After a rocky first attempt at drawing crowds at his Museum of Oddities, think Ripley's Believe It or Not or something like that, he, he gets a little inspiration from his daughters, right? P.T. Barnum starts posting these these ads calling for a unique person to come and audition for, for a part of what would be the beginning of the transition from a museum into a live variety type of show. So he attracts all of these unique persons and personalities and what they all had in common is that they were rejected by society. They were considered to be freaks, people who, who should be hidden, people who should not be associated with or loved because of their unusual physical features or unusual talents or even their race. They were people that the culture said that you should divide yourself from instead of reaching out to because they were not like you. Barnum valued the people on the fringes of society and he brought them into a family, his family. He, he saw gifts in them that others overlooked. He, he gave them a platform for purpose and service that brought meaning not only into their lives but into the lives of others. And he challenged the norm that said you can't value or have a meaningful relationship with people who are different from you. 
And this is a portrait of us, the church, or at least it ought to be. Isn't that what Jesus was like? Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't he go after the freaks, the outcasts, the forgotten? Isn't Jesus the God of second chances? Uh, and what about me and you? How many of us even in this very space need a second or a third or a fourth or a hundredth chance? How many of us needed a family to call home and, and a place to come and to be belong to and to be part of? The greatest showman created a church for those who are on the sideline, for those who are on the fringe, for those who had a, a stigma. They came into a safe place where they found strength for their shared struggle. He brought those who were on the outside into a community and he called it a church. Well, he didn't actually call it a church. He called it a circus, but it was a church. It was a, a community where they cared for one another, where they were the oddities and P.T. Barnum profiteered off of this but the freaks found a fellowship of hope. One of my favorite stories that comes from the life of Jesus is actually a parable that he spoke. And remember, a parable is this earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a, a story of the here and now, but it carries a weight of eternity with it. And, and it's found in the book of Matthew, I think chapter 22, and, and it's really conveying the heart of the Father. Jesus is trying to get a, our minds around the heart of God, and, and he tells a story about how there is this father, and he has a banquet for his son's wedding, and, he's, and he sends out all of the invitations to the people that you would expect him to send out invitations to, but none of them respond. Uh, and then he sends out another round of invitations and they still don't respond and they're making excuses by about why they can't come and one guy says he has to go to work and another guy says he doesn't have time and, and so the father sends out a third round of invitations to these people who were supposed to be there and, and it says that they actually beat up and even killed the servants that had these invitations and so this father gets upset by this and I'm thinking no kidding he gets upset and, and, and yet he sends out another round of invitation but this time he tells his servants to go into the dark alleys to go into the backward places and to invite those that would not ever normally be invited he says invite everybody go to the street corners and go to the to the bars and the back away places he says invite everybody you see. Friends, listen, this is the heart of God. You can see what's going on here, right? That, that God's heart is for the outcast. God's heart is for the rejected and the broken and the hurting and the poor. And it doesn't matter your race or your economic status or your, or your education. Uh, if you've been religious your whole life or if you're just now starting to think about your relationship with God, he says, you are invited to heaven. You are invited to faith. You are invited to church. You are invited to be part of my family. You're, you're welcomed in my, in my family. This parable is about how everybody is wanted by God. This parable is about how, how the good people and the religious people and the church people should have been there. They should have been coming to the wedding, but they missed it. But God continues to reach and he reaches further and he reaches to parts of society that nobody else cares for. Listen, if you were to look through the life of Jesus, when society treated women as inferior or as property, Jesus fought for them and he included them. He welcomed them into his community of disciples and he, and he made them participants in the work of the kingdom of God. And when society builds barriers of, of relational conflict between ethnic groups and genders and political groups and socioeconomic classes, Jesus 
Jesus broke down those barriers and made them one through his family of faith. And when society saw children as a distraction, Jesus brought them near to him and he blessed them. And when prideful religious elites distanced themselves and, and disgust from those who, who were, were, were not in relationship with God, Jesus spoke to them and he, and he lived with compassion toward them. And, and, and he said to those who were still far from the heart of God that, that and, and those that were gripped in their sin, he invited them into a, into a relationship with God that would free their souls, that would make them right with God. As a matter of fact, look at this incredible verse that comes, our little story that comes from the book of Mark, chapter two, verses 15 through 17. Jesus is speaking very directly to, to the religious people who were condemning him for reaching out to those who were, well, let's just say a little less religious. And here's what it says. Levi invited Jesus and his disciples into his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law who were, were called Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And listen to Jesus' response. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. When you and I were far away from God because of our sin and rebellion, he reached out and he brought us near to him. He made a way for us to be forgiven, to know him because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus loves without boundaries and so should we. Jesus takes on the, you're not like me, therefore we have to be divided mentality of our flawed human nature and shows us a better way to live and to love. Even amidst diversity and disagreement, we can still love well from, from genuine friendship and treat every person with dignity and respect as, as neighbors created in the image of God and dearly loved by God. This film serves as a prophetic warning to the church that says that we should love without boundaries. It, it's this concept that, that, that it's easier to build up walls between people than it is to love people. It's easier to say they're not like me, so we shouldn't connect with them. Listen, we are called to tear down those walls, and I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about should we defend our borders or shouldn't we? Uh, we're, we're, we're not talking about anything governmentally. We're talking about personally how we relate to other people. I'm saying that if you are a Jesus follower, that you are called to a higher standard of conduct, and, and, and it should get beyond this us versus them divisive culture that we, we have in our own minds. You're called to and empowered by God to love genuinely, to value and befriend people who are different from you. And in doing so, you become the tangible expression of the love of Jesus to people. The kind of love that Jesus expects from his followers doesn't demand that people you know, believe exactly what you believe or, or that they're some sort of mature Christian in order for you to love them and to recognize them and to care about them. Christ-like love leads with love. It leads with friendship and respect. Christ-like love brings people together and welcomes people in, even if they are different. Sometimes that looks like reaching out across the political or theological aisle. Sometimes it looks like making a friend of, of a different race or a different cultural background than you. Sometimes it looks like hearing someone out whose life experiences is different from your own and seeking to understand them.
Sometimes it looks like setting a standard of honor toward those society often has a hard time valuing or or maybe it's somebody younger than you or older than you or somebody with health challenges or or someone of, of a different social economic status than you, someone originally from maybe another nation than you. There will be times when loving people like Jesus also includes challenging our brothers and sisters in Christ to mature wholehearted obedience to him as well as graciously calling people to faith in Jesus. Sometimes loving people is gently but firmly resisting the drift towards sin in in our own lives and in the culture around us. Loving people like Jesus should never compromise the truth of his word in any way but according to the scripture loving people well and clinging to God's truth are not mutually exclusive. How are you treating people? How is our church treating people? At some point in his life, the real P.T. Barnum became a politician. He went from one circus to another circus, if you know what I mean. And from one of his speeches, there is this line that says this, A human soul that God has created and Christ died for is not to be trifled with. It may tenant the body of a Chinaman, a Turk, an Arab, or a Hutenot. Listen, but it is still an immortal spirit. In a time when people of color were disregarded as less than human, and when those who were not normal or who suffered from misfortune in life was considered beneath the general public's care, P.T. Barnum made a home for the unusual. But something started to change in P.T. Barnum as more and more success came his way. Check this scene out. To Mr. Barnum, who has shown once and for all that a man's station is limited only by his imagination. Thank you. It's hard to understand wealth and privilege when you're born into it. (laughs) I sometimes don't feel like I belong here. You? I was born out of wedlock, and that brought shame upon my family. And life always manages to remind me that I don't deserve a place in this world, and that leaves a hole that no ovation can ever fill. Lord, that lady can sing. I think she likes a man in uniform? I'm sure she does. What, what, what are you doing here? You got a show in an hour, okay? It's enough time for us to have at least three drinks, right? Come on. No, 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 no. Letty. What? It's very crowded in here, okay? And I can't have you mingling. Guys, who's going to pay admission if you're out there for all the world to see? Okay, have a great show. Wait. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a toast. Jenny, America may not know it yet, but they are going to love you. I am not a stranger to the dark Hide away, they say Cause we don't want your broken parts I learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send a blood, gonna drown them out 
I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. What an amazing little scene. All of Barnum's dreaming for a better life turns into this egotistical journey to make everyone love him. And you can't make the whole world love you. Barnum loses his wife and his children in a bid to make the world adore him. He lost the core of his dream, which was to give a beautiful life to the people he loved. He chased fame. He got caught up in the in giving attention to the wrong woman. He, he became a user of people who he previously loved. He, he got lost in the dream rather than being lost in the love for, the, for those that the dream would actually benefit. Th this can easily happen to any of us, to all of us. I want to show you one more scene and then we will wrap this up. First it was buying a house on the same street as my parents, then meeting the queen, then bringing Jenny Lynn, then my father the other night. When will it ever be enough for you? I'm doing this for Caroline and Helen. Look around you, they have everything. You don't understand. I do understand. No, you don't understand. How could you? My father was treated like dirt. I was treated like dirt. And my children will not be. You don't need everyone to love you, Finn. Just a few good people. I know that. There is this theme that runs through the entire movie. It's, it's this line, never enough. It'll never be enough. And, and this really is the final theme that we need to land on. And this is probably the most important, that this world can never be enough. It will never truly satisfy your soul. Jesus said it so plain and so simple. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world but to lose your soul. He said it'll never work. You can put all kinds of stuff and you can have all kinds of fame and all kinds of fortune and you can have the whole world adore you, but it doesn't mean that your soul will be full. It requires something different. Your soul needs something different. 
you need to be right in your relationship with God. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this one time. He says, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never go away hungry. He shall never thirst. I am the water of life, the river of life. If you come to me, if you drink, you'll never go away thirsty. Friends, I hope that you find all that you're dreaming for. I hope that that you find what God has put in your soul to run after. I really do. But if you do not find God, you will miss the essence of life. And so this is a great little movie. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. I almost never watch movies twice, but I will probably watch this one. I have to say, like, so I know you're watching this. I just want to preach for about an hour right now after that movie. I think it's incredible. But you know, what I really want to challenge us with is what Pastor Jay talked about right there at the end. This world will never be enough to satisfy all that longing inside of you. Have you found that to be true in your life? You go after your dreams. You go after your your all these ideas you have in your head. And, and maybe it's to make a difference in the world, or like Pastor Jay said, maybe it's just to get in shape, and, and you go after all these things, and then you finally get to the place that you thought you wanted to be, and you dreamt about being, and still inside of you, there's this hole, and you know what's crazy is that's how it's supposed to be, that's how God designed you and I, is that we would experience a hole inside of us that I just want to challenge us tonight as we close out this service in this way. Go after the dreams God puts in your heart. Go after the the desires he's given you. But if those desires do not first and foremost make you put him first and seek him and let him fill you up, put it aside until you first get right with God because you can do everything in your heart to do and still be miserable. If I had time tonight, I'd share stories in my only 33 years. I know I'm like half the age of some people, but I could tell you story after story where I went after the dream and after the dream, and and they were God dreams, I thought. Most of them were in ministry. And, And at times, I got to that place. And then I went, I, I feel like I've influenced more people or I have more money in the bank, but my life's no better. Why? Because the thing that we were designed to go after more than our dreams, more than our aspirations, is Jesus. So I want to pray over you tonight that God would give you the strength to go after him with all your heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how good you are to us. I thank you, God, that you created us for a relationship with you first and foremost in our lives. And God, so many of us in this room tonight can think of times that we've run after our dreams and run after our aspirations and all the things that we wanted to do in this life, Lord. And some of those things were good and some of those things were desires that you put in us. 
But God, we, in the process, we're not putting you first. And so we got to that place and it felt so empty and so empty. And so I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this room, up and down these aisles and across these rows, God. And would you begin to let any of us here who have not set our hearts first on you and not let you come in and fill the, the God-sized void in our life. Give us the courage and the strength to surrender to Jesus tonight. Give us the strength to say, God, I've tried everything on my own and now I lay all that aside and I choose to put you first. I need you in my life. And I pray tonight that many people would begin from this day forward to put you first in everything they do and then watch as you create a life for them that is bigger than what they can imagine. Not bigger in the world standards, but bigger with more joy and more peace and more love and all the fruits of the Spirit that come with salvation through Christ. And so I thank you for all those who will make that come to you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, what an awesome night. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you do want to pray, you can clap too, that's cool. If you do want to pray, over here on my left to your right, there'll be some people that would love to pray with you. Maybe you want to give your life to, to Christ and you just want to talk to someone about it, or maybe as the movie was happening or as we were even talking, you were just saying, yes, God, I want that. Please come up and talk to one of us. We'd love to, to hear what's going on in your life, to pray with you, and also to give you a free resource to help you in your journey God. And then don't forget, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, bring a friend. It is going to be so much fun. You can tell by just the little snippets of this movie you saw tonight what an incredible night it's going to be. So come hang out with us, and hopefully we'll see you back here tomorrow night. Have a great week, guys.